Well, it's good to celebrate communion together, isn't it? And uh, it seems like those songs just have a fresh uh, meaning when we sing them in, in the wake of uh, remembering the, the body and the blood of Christ. Well, as uh, you know, if you've been attending Lakeside, that we have been going through the book of Romans, and we just completed uh, chapter 13, and we're ready to jump into 14, but not quite yet. Uh, there's a couple things that I wanted to address with us as a church over the next couple of weeks, and then, Lord willing, we'll get uh, on to the next chapter, a very stimulating chapter about uh, the weaker brother and the stronger brother and uh, convictions and preferences, and I think that will be, um, there'll be a lot of application for us as a church um, when we get there. But this morning, I want to address um, what I consider one of the most important um, subjects that we could ever talk about. Um, I've titled it, the message this morning, The Essential Spiritual Activity. And uh, I was thinking about essentials, um, as I'm sure you have been thinking about essentials, because in an effort to uh, keep people safe and healthy during the coronavirus pandemic, government officials and medical experts have redefined who and what is truly essential. We've come to find out essential businesses are energy-related, agriculture, food production, transportation, child care, grocery stores, hardware stores. Those are essential businesses. We've learned about essential workers, healthcare professionals, public safety officers, first responders, farmers, grocers, um, trash collectors, essential workers. Uh, we, we've uh, learned about essential items, groceries, medicine, hand sanitizer, masks, toilet paper. Okay, not really, but so we thought at the beginning of this whole thing, right? Um, and then we've also learned about essential activities. We've been told, stay at home uh, unless you're going out to perform some essential activity, which would, what would qualify for that? Well, buying food getting gas, going to the bank, picking up your prescriptions, buying a gun, okay? Those are essential activities, at least if you're a Texan, right? And yet, despite all this emphasis on what is essential, the most essential thing in our lives as Christians may have been overlooked or neglected either because we got extra busy these last six months or or. Maybe we just got lazy over the last few months, or maybe we just got out of our normal routine. And uh, we were spending time together last week as, as leaders and um, getting ready to launch our grow group, uh, grow groups for the fall. And as you've noticed, we've got our grow group uh, tables set up, and we're going to be giving you an opportunity to sign up here at, at the end of the service. But uh, there was just some honest... Um, acknowledgement among our leaders that, that this um, pandemic has just kind of knocked us off center in, in, in so many ways. And one of those ways was just, just kind of getting out of the, some good godly habits, like reading your Bible and praying. And uh, it just kind of was this funky season where, you know, uh, we just kind of got out of sorts spiritually and, and we needed to get our eye back on the ball and, and, and uh, back to what is essential. And that word essential, if you were to look it up in the dictionary, it's, uh, I love the definition. 
being essential, something that is essential means that it's something that is absolutely necessary. It's extremely important. It's fundamental or central to the nature of something or someone. Or how about this one? Being essential means it's something you can't live without. Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, man does not, what? Live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. And Job, in Job 23, 12, said, I have not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And then in the New Testament, you're familiar with the story of Mary and Martha. When Jesus came to their home and uh, Martha was running around uh, making preparations, wanting to be a great hostess, and her little sister Mary uh, was sitting there uh, at Jesus' feet, just drinking in every word that came out of his mouth. And this is how Luke records it. Now, as they were traveling along, this is Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Um, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Talk about distractions. Do we know anything about distractions these days? There's just been one distraction after another. And how did Jesus respond? The Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. Can we relate to that? Being worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is what? Necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. What was Mary doing? What was that one thing that was necessary? Sitting at the feet of Jesus and fellowshipping with him and listening to him and learning from him. Nothing is more necessary, nothing is more important, nothing is more essential to our spiritual health and safety as Christians than spending time at the feet of Jesus, spending time alone with God on a daily basis in his word and prayer. It's what we know as having our quiet time or our devotions every day, right, which impacts our lives more than anything else we could possibly ever do. Having our quiet time is the key to our spiritual livelihood, and everything else that matters in life. I was, had the privilege of doing some premarital counseling with a couple over uh, FaceTime this week. Uh, they live out of state, but they used to, one of them used to go to our church and wanted me to do their wedding, and uh, so asked if I would do their premarital. And in fact, I was actually, uh, potentially, I was going to do their wedding over Zoom, uh, they, had, they were trying to get all the information that, that, uh, that I was, it was going to be a Zoom wedding. And I'm like, okay, this will look good on my resume, that I actually married somebody on the internet. Okay, well, be careful how you go with that. That's the rumors could start there. I married somebody on the internet. But the point is, uh, they couldn't do it. The only state in the country that lets you get married via Zoom is guess what state? California. 
That's right. So anyway, that's why everybody's fleeing, right, from California to Texas. Um, but anyway, I was talking with them, and we had our first session this week, and, and I said, listen, and we talked about a whole lot of things about the importance of Christ and why it's so important you marry a Christian and how Christ needs to be the center, and marriage is not about you, it's about Christ and the church. And, 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 uh, and, and I said, fine, listen, if you don't get anything else out of our counseling time together, premarital counseling, hear this. The most important thing you can do to ensure the success of your marriage, wait for it, is for each of you to have your quiet time every day. Like, that's it? Well, you're not paying me, so who cares, right? I mean, this is, no, seriously, that's it. Number one marriage counsel advice survey says is have your quiet time every day. You spend time with Jesus, your spouse spends time with Jesus, and as you both sit at the feet of Jesus, right, not much can go wrong when you're sitting at the foot of Jesus. But typically what happens is when one or both people in a marriage stop spending time with Jesus, stop, having their, stop reading their Bible, stop being exposed to the Word of God, stop communicating with God through prayer, um, things aren't going to go real well in their relationship with one another. And I've always told this to couples, I've, you've heard me mention this uh, from this pulpit, that if you were to graph uh, my relationship with my wife and my relationship with Jesus, that whenever my relationship with Jesus is going well, guess what? My relationship with Kelly is going well. And whenever my relationship with Jesus isn't going well, guess what? My relationship with Kelly isn't going well. And that just, that's just the way that God designed it, right? Because marriage is all about Christ and the church, Christ and us, his relationship with us, right? And so that's why it just fleshes itself out. They're, they're intricately linked together. They're like two sides of a coin. Even Paul in Ephesians 5 said, hey, hey, I'm really not talking about marriage. Even though I've been talking about husbands and wives, I'm really talking about Christ and the church. Well, Paul, which is it? Yes. They're inseparable. I have a little book that I keep by my little shelf of quiet time resources and uh, I pulled it out last night, hadn't read it for a long time, but it's a little book called Manna in the Morning by Stephen Olford. Anybody ever read that book, Manna in the Morning by Stephen Olford? Okay, Chris, you and me, we're the only ones that have read it. All right, well, there may be some copies in the Resource Center. You go get you one. I'm telling you, it's like a little thin thing, like a little 10 pages, and it's this big, it's tiny, it's like a little pamphlet. Manna in the Morning, and Stephen Olford, who's a famous expositor from years past, um, just talked about the importance of a quiet time. And he likened it to, to the manna that God provided the people of Israel every morning in the wilderness. And that the Lord provides us manna, if you will, from his word. And this is what he said. Simple quote, simple statement. He said, I give you little hope of living victoriously unless you're successful in maintaining your quiet time. Let me say that again. I give you little hope of living victoriously unless you're successful in maintaining your quiet time. Why would he say that? Because daily Bible reading and prayer are the simple means that God has ordained for us to grow spiritually strong and healthy. And yet I think you would all agree that that maintaining a, a daily quiet time is perhaps the most difficult part of the Christian life. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, when I was in high school, when I was in college, it was, I was way more consistent. 
uh, in keeping my daily appointment with God, mainly because my life was less complicated than it is now, right? The older we get, the more complicated our lives become. And, you know, back then I wasn't doing as much. I didn't have as much. Now I'm married. I have three kids. I have a house, two cars, too many dogs, uh, a growing church, more duties, more responsibilities, uh, more opportunities. But regardless of these things, nothing should take precedence over a meeting with God every day. There will always be more urgent things, but there will never be any more important thing. And so as the summer is ending and kids are going back to school, at least that's what they say, Tuesday, right? Um, and and, and COVID-19 seems to be leveling off, leveling off a little bit, or at least we're ignoring it or something. I'm not sure. Um, we're, we're all just trying to get back into more of a regular routine. I thought this would be a perfect time to remind us that our quiet time should be the top priority in our daily schedules, and so if you're in the place where you're kind of trying to get back in the groove, okay, and you're, and you're setting out your priorities, and these are the things I got to do um, every day and, and, and every week, and make sure that your quiet time is on the very top of your list. It's number one on your list of priorities. Now, for some of you, having a quiet time has never been a part of your everyday routine, um, whereas others of you have been faithfully meeting with God for years. And perhaps you, you slacked off or maybe you let your daily devotion slide during the pandemic. I don't know, wherever you're at, but whatever category you fit into this morning, I want to motivate you to have a daily quiet time, whether you need to start having one for the first time in your life, or you need to get back to having one, or you simply need to keep having one. So wherever you're at, hopefully this message will stir you up by way of reminder. And so I want to answer three questions this morning that, again, I hope will inspire you to spend time reading and meditating on God's Word and talking, him, talking to Him through prayer on a daily basis, okay? Now, again, some of this is uh, very basic uh, for, for some of you. Um, you could be up here teaching this, um, and, and that's uh, an evidence of God's grace in your life, uh, that you have incorporated this discipline by the grace of God into your uh, everyday life. Um, but for some of you, this is like a new concept. Well, a quiet time, what, what, is, what is this, quiet time? Well, I want to ask the first question, well, what is a quiet time? What is a quiet time? Well, to the average person in the world, uh, a quiet time is nothing more than a period of time set aside to get away from the noise, the hustle and bustle um, of life, for a time of personal reflection, a time to be alone with your thoughts, or uh, a time to put Junior in the corner or in his bed, right? That's quiet time, right? Get the kids uh, from being crazy for a few minutes, right? Um, well, for the Christian, a quiet time, when we say quiet time, if you're not familiar with that expression, it refers to a block of time that you set aside uh, every day to be alone not with ourselves, but to be alone with Christ. When we read the Bible and we ponder what God is saying to us and we respond to him through prayer, another term would be your personal devotions, your devotional time. Um, Bible study and prayer are the two essential ingredients to an effective quiet time. They facilitate a, a two-way conversation between God and us. God speaks to us through his word, and we speak to him through prayer. 
And we know that consistent uh, communication is the key to an intimate relationship. And those of you that are married, you understand this, right? Sometimes Kelly and I will get busy, we'll get distracted by all the things that are going on in our lives, and, and, and we go a few days or a few weeks without spending significant time together or having a meaningful conversation. Uh, and again, it's all unintentional, uh, but invariably it leads to a lack of intimacy between us, and we what? We drift apart. Well, busyness and distraction affects our relationship with God in the very same way. When we go a few days or a few weeks without spending quality time with him, guess what? We lack intimacy with Christ and we drift away from the Lord. If you truly love someone, you want to spend time with them and be in their presence as much as possible. Isn't that true? I mean, you truly love somebody. I mean, you want to be around them all the time. You want to be in their presence as often as possible. Listen to the psalmist. Psalm 16, and you can look at some of these verses with me if you'd like. Psalm 16, verse 11, listen to how the psalmist talks about the presence of the Lord. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. In other words, man, there's, you, you want to talk about a happy place? You have a happy place? Your happy place should be wherever you have your quiet time. Because in your presence is fullness of joy. I am never happier. I'm never more filled with joy than I'm, when I'm spending time in the presence of the Lord. Psalm 26, verse 8. Psalm 26, verse 8. Oh, Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Again, David's talking about the, the, the tabernacle and the temple and where he just loved to be in the house of the Lord and to spend time with him and to bask in his glory. Psalm 27, verse four. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Psalm 42 Verses one and two, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? When can I be with you again, God? Psalm 84, verses one and two. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. I mean, this, is the, this should be our heart, right? That we can't wait for that alarm to go off. I know that sounds crazy, isn't it? Because we get to spend time with Jesus. Or we can't wait for noon to come when Everybody goes out to lunch and I hide out in my cubicle or shut the door of my office and I get to spend time with Jesus or I can't wait till I get off work when I can, or I can't wait till the kids go to bed and maybe my spouse drifts off to sleep and I get my Bible out and I can spend time alone with the Lord. Verse 10, Psalm 84, 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. One day, one day in your presence, one day with God is better than a thousand of doing whatever the world's doing. Now again, the purpose of spending time in God's presence 
is to grow in our relationship with him, to know him and love him more and to become more like him. And so that's what it means to have a quiet time or what, it, what a quiet time is. Second question is why have a quiet time? Why have a quiet time? And of course, we've already talked a little bit about that, but there's three reasons, just, just three that I wrote down. It's not all the reasons, but the three that came to my mind were number one, God wants to spend time with us. How about this? God wants to spend time with you. You remember back in, um, before sin entered the human race, God would spend time regularly with Adam in the garden. Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. This was a normal routine, by the way, except for the hiding part, right? God would come and spend time with them, and uh, now something had happened. Something uh, had severed that relationship, that intimacy. And when Adam sinned, he was separated from God, and he was no longer able to enjoy that intimate fellowship with the Lord like he used to. And, and guess what? We're just like Adam. Because we're sinners, we too are unable to have intimate fellowship with God. But God in his great love and mercy graciously provided a way for our fellowship to be restored between us and God. And, and, and he sent his son Jesus to be the mediator between us, to die on the cross in the place of all those who would repent and believe so that we could be reconciled to him and, and, and once again gain access to God. And through Christ, we, we are invited to boldly approach his throne anytime we want. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. So you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ to be able to have a quiet time, by the way. Only Christians can have a quiet time, a real quiet time. Hebrews um, 11.6 talks about the requirement to have a relationship with the Lord Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. God desires us to come to him. Isaiah 55, Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2. Ho, that's the prophet's way of getting our attention. Hey, listen up. In other words, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat, come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. God's like, hey, what are you doing? Well, why are you going out there trying to find satisfaction and joy and happiness and all these other things? Why are you, why are you digging these uh, you know, um, leaky um, wells, these broken cisterns, these leaky pots and car- trying to carry water around? Hey, come to me. God wants us to come to him. Verse six, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. What did Jesus say in Matthew eleven twenty eight? 28? We already read it from this book the gentle and lowly, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. John 4, 23, another reference to God desiring to spend time with us. 
But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is seeking to spend time with us. What an awesome opportunity that we have to spend personal one-on-one time with the creator and the sustainer of the universe. I mean, you think about that for a second. That, that we have the privilege, the opportunity to spend time with the creator, the sustainer, the ruler of the universe anytime we want. And yet we can find so many other things to do besides spend time with him. Put yourself in God's shoes for a second. That's always a scary thought, right? Don't go too far with that. But uh, hey, yeah, I won't take that personally, right? I'm here, I want to spend time with you, but oh, oh, you're going to go over and hang out with them. Oh, you're going to go do that. Oh, you don't have time for me again, right? So the first reason we should have a quiet time is God wants to spend time with us. Secondly, Jesus spent time with God. Jesus spent time with God. And I love these references in the Gospels about Jesus, for lack of a better term, having a quiet time. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. And after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. And then Mark chapter 1, verse 35 In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. And then Luke chapter 5, verse 16, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. And then chapter 6, verse 12, the night before he chose his 12 disciples, it says it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray and spent the whole night in prayer to God. And so Jesus' regular practice to, to wake up early and to stay up all night at times, to find a quiet place, a quiet time to pray. And Jesus was never too busy to spend time with God. Or how about this, to spend time with his father? In fact, scripture emphasized the fact that when Jesus' ministry was the busiest, that's when he made certain to slip away, to get away from it all and get alone with God. What a great example for us, the the moments when we think we have the least amount of time or opportunity to spend with the Lord is when we need to do it the most. We need it more than ever. So God wants to spend time with us. Jesus spent time with God. And thirdly, our spiritual survival depends on it. The Bible is like food. And we see the the writers of Scripture liken uh, the Scriptures to, to food. Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Um, Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. 
Your words were found and I ate them and your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. And then 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So the Bible is like food and prayer is like air. Prayer is like air. It doesn't say it as specifically, but listen to what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, he says, pray without ceasing. What do you do without ceasing? What do we all do without ceasing? There's one thing we do without ceasing. What is it? Breathe. So prayer is like air, the air we breathe, or at least it should be. And we, we need both food and air to survive. And I think too many Christians think they can live on one spiritual meal a week. And the only time they ever open their Bibles is like for an hour on Sunday morning. That's it. That would be like going out to lunch today and expecting that meal to hold you over till next Sunday lunch. Or if you pray in church today but never pray again until next Sunday, that would be like leaving here and as you walk out the door, you... Take a big deep breath and right, I'm going to hold till next Sunday. And you're not going to make it very far. You're going to pass out before you get to your car, right? See, how much we grow and mature is directly proportionate to how much time we spend in the word and prayer. That's just how God designed it. How much we grow and mature as a Christian is directly proportionate to how much time we spend in God's word and in prayer. And so we put our spiritual lives, our spiritual health at risk when we fail to have our quiet time. And this is essential we're talking about, an essential activity. It's not just that we won't grow spiritually, but worse, we'll shrivel up and die spiritually. If we don't have our quiet time. And so that's why we should have a quiet time. And of course, there's many other reasons. This is just more of an overview this morning. But then lastly, I want to just talk about how to have a quiet time. I know what it is, right? We know what it is. Um, I know why I should do it. But man, I, I, just, I, I just need somebody to kind of walk me through. What do I do? How, how do I, what does that look like? Well, apart from commanding that we read our Bibles and, and pray regularly, God didn't provide any specific rules regarding how to have a quiet time. I think he, he wanted to give us the freedom to do whatever works best for us. And so we need to treat it as we should. It's a personal quiet time. In other words, what works for me may not work for you. What works for you might not work for somebody else. You just got to figure it out. You just got to do it. And, 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 and practice and, and try something. If it doesn't work, try something else. And, and hopefully all of you, especially those of you that have been doing this for many years, you, you've, you've gotten into some really good habits that, that are working for you. And others of you need to maybe establish some habits. You don't even know where to start. And that's okay. But in order to have a quiet time, I think, uh, I should say an effective quiet time, 
I think there's at least three basic things that, that we all must do, okay? Three elements, if you will, of an effective quiet time. Number one, you need to firm up a specific time. You need to firm up a specific time. In other words, not, not just some willy-nilly, well, I'm just going to try to do it sometime. And trust me, if you have that mentality, it's never going to get done. Because there's always going to be the tyranny of the urgent, all these things pressing on you. And unless you firm up a specific time in your daily schedule, it ain't happening. You'll never get around to it. Trust me. So you, you need to just devote the best time of your day to spend time with God. I mean, you're meeting with God, okay? So, so give him your very best. It needs to be a time when you are the most focused, you are the least distracted. For some of you, that might be early in the morning before anyone else gets up. Maybe it's during your lunch break, again, when everybody else goes off to, off to, to a restaurant or something out or is in the break room and you're in your little private space, whatever. Maybe it's during, ladies, during your kids' naps, right? Mamas, you know, it's like, how in the world do I have a, have a quiet time? There's no such thing as quiet in my house. Um, from the moment I wake up to the time I go to bed, right? And I just love that um, uh, example of Susanna Wesley, right? Had something like 17, 18 kids. How do you have a quiet time with 17, 18 kids, right? Well, apparently she trained her kids that when they saw mama with her apron over her head, kneeling down in the living area, that was the time for them to be quiet and leave mama alone. And so she, she trained her kids, she disciplined her kids that, hey, listen, when you see mama, when I put my apron over my head and I'm on my knees, that's mommy's time with the Lord and you need to be quiet and leave mommy alone for a little bit, a little bit. So creative mom there. Um, maybe it's in the evening after everyone else goes to bed. Maybe you're a night owl, right? Um, you just got to f- work, figure it out. Uh, again, it doesn't matter when you do it as long as you do it. And so I think having a quiet time begins with putting it into your schedule, just like you would a, a doctor's appointment, just like you would a, a business lunch, just, so I, just like you would a, a date with your spouse. So you're basically making a date with God and don't stand them up. Don't, don't cancel on them, okay? Oh, something more important came up, or I can't do it today, God, I'm sorry, maybe tomorrow. And you just can't kind of keep pushing it, you know, kicking that can down the road. no. Make a date with God and stick to it. So firm up a specific time. Secondly, find a special place. Find a special place, some, some place private where you uh, can be alone. I think that's the whole point, uh, where you will be the least likely to be disturbed or distracted. Uh, make sure it's a place that's conducive for reading and, and, and uh, writing and, and praying. And, and I think you should have, wherever you have that place, you should have available some, some essential tools, like a Bible, that helps, right? You have a Bible, a copy of God's Word, it may be on your phone or your iPad, or it might be your actual Bible, um, a pen, a notebook, right? I mean, if the Lord gives you a vision, you need to write it down, I'm just kidding, um, but you should have something to write with, right? If, if you, you learn something, you want to write it down so you don't forget, but a, a, a pen, a notebook, a, some kind of journal, uh, maybe a, 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 some kind of prayer list um, or a prayer journal that you'll use to kind of for your time of prayer. And I would even suggest, you know, maybe a hymn book uh, or a, a CD player, your iP- 
iPod, is there, do they still make iPods? Your iPhone, whatever, is the, something, a music device of some sort, headphones, maybe your guitar, if you like to play the guitar, so something that you can incorporate music and singing or even just listening to praise music. Maybe you have that on in the background while you're having your quiet time, making that place even more special. Uh, again, figure out what works for you. Uh, I know for me, I can't have any background noise. I don't care what it is. It's distracting. I need to have total peace and quiet. And, uh, but you may love to, you know, you might be that kid that can, you know, ace your, you know, geometry while you're listening to all sorts of crazy music. I don't know how you do that. But um, go for it if that, if that works for you. Uh, have praise music, you know, playing as you're spending time with the Lord. It's, it's, it's your, your call. So fi- uh, firm up a specific time. Find a special place. And then thirdly, follow a simple plan. Follow a simple plan. If you fail to plan, right, typically uh, you're planning to fail. Is that how they say it, right? If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Um, and, and so you got to have a plan. You got to have some format. Um, and so I want to suggest to you just a basic plan or format that I've found helpful over the years. This is just what, what I've done over uh, over, over the years, and, and, and I go in and out of different seasons where I do more of this or less of this or some of this or none of this, but uh, just some things that have been helpful for me uh, as far as a, just a format, a, a flow. Okay, you got the time. You've got the time, uh, and you've got your place, and now you're sitting there, and okay, you got your body, you got your stuff. Okay, now, now what do I do? Well, I would encourage you maybe perhaps begin reading a short section from a devotional book perhaps, to prepare your mind and your heart to enter into God's presence, like Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, for example. Um, My Utmost for His Highest, Oswald Chambers, or The Valley of Vision. Read one of the the Puritan prayers. Again, what are we doing here? We're just kind of priming the pump. We're trying to kind of gather our mind, our thoughts, and kind of get them focused. And so uh, before we get there, right, reading something spiritual, right, um, especially of an old dead guy, that usually helps, right? Um, it draws us into the presence of the Lord. And then pray, just brief. This is not your prayer time. This is just a, a more of an opening prayer where you just acknowledge your desperate need of God. Um, thank him for loving you, wanting to spend time with you. Ask him to help you focus uh, your mind and heart to keep you from getting distracted. Ask him to bless your time in his word and, and open up your eyes and show you wonderful things uh, in his word that maybe you've never seen before. Uh, ask him to expose any sin in your life, help you change and grow into the person that he wants you to be. Psalm 139, verses 23 uh, uh, 23 and 24, I love this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. That'd be an appropriate prayer to pray at the beginning of your quiet time. Or again, Psalm 119, Psalm 119, verse 118. Excuse me, 119, 18. The Lord has... um, that's not it. Here is some, one, where is it? There it is. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. What a great verse to pray. Back to the Lord as you start before you get into his word. And then thirdly, after praying, just, just read a portion of God's word. And it doesn't have to be like chapters and chapters and chapters. It could be if that's your thing. 
that works for you, it could be just a verse or two. Um, but it's very important that you use some kind of plan, some kind of reading plan, maybe a, a one-year Bible where you kind of get through the whole Bible in a year, or maybe a study guide. Maybe say, I'm going to study the book of James, or I'm going to study the book of 1 John, or I'm going to study the, one of the Gospels, or uh, I'm going to study the Psalms, and you read so many Psalms a day, and, uh, or you're going to study the Proverbs. But come up with a plan. Don't just willy-nilly, you know, the old uh, lucky dip thing, like, okay, well, I'm just open my Bible, and boom, where, what am I going to read today? That won't last, trust me. That's going to get old really fast. And so you got to kind of have a plan that, hey, you're going somewhere in your study of God's word. And as you're reading the scripture, there, there's, there's three steps that you need to follow uh, for effective Bible study. So you're in the time of studying God's word. So what are, what are the three steps for effective Bible study? You remember what they are? Observation, interpretation, and what's the third one? Come on, you know this one. Application, right? Observation, interpretation, application. So you're just getting into the habit as you read a verse or read a paragraph or read a chapter to ask yourself three questions. Number one, what does it say? You're just observing, just looking at different words and, and different themes and, 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 and uh, different uh, things that jump out at you. And then you ask yourself the second question, well, what does it mean? I see what it says, but what does this actually mean? And then maybe the most important question is, well, okay, so what? How does this apply to my life? So, so you should get in the habit of, of, of analyzing the scriptures, right? And not just reading it and going, okay, that was fun, and now I'm done with my Frosted Flakes and I can move on, right? No, you need to spend some time analyzing what you read. So observation, interpretation, application, what does it say? What does it mean? How does it apply? Or I came up with this acrostic, just read. Okay, if you're going to read the Bible, what does that look like? Well, R stands for read. E stands for examine. So in other words, don't just read it. Reread it and examine it and observe and interpret the scriptures. Come up with a meaning. And then A stands for apply. So you read the scriptures. You examine the scriptures. You apply the scriptures. Say, okay, so what? What has this in my life? And then D stands for what? Guess what? Do. Go do it. Don't just be a hearer of the word uh, who deceives themselves. Do what it says. Now get up from your quiet time and go do it. Go live it out, right? So that's read. R-E-A-D, read, examine, apply, do. Well, you may want to, at that point, write some things down in your notebook, in a journal. Um, again, what does it mean? How does it apply? What do you plan to do about it? I mean, these are, maybe these are questions, right? You can actually write in every day. Okay, I got to answer these three questions. And again, it just helps you stay on track. And then after you spend time reading and meditating on the, the, the scriptures, then you transition into a time of prayer. And I would suggest that you begin praying about what you just studied and learned. I mean, prayer should just naturally flow out of your time in God's word. So talk to God first about whatever he's been talking to you about in his word. I mean, this is a relationship we're talking about here. So imagine if somebody just kind of shared their heart, poured out their heart to you, and, and, and you responded by uh, immediately talking about something else that you wanted or that you needed, right? Can I just say my wife would not appreciate that, Okay. If she just got done 
pouring her heart out, she would want me to respond to what and address what she just shared with me rather than say, hey, so where do you want to go to lunch? Okay, where's the disconnect, right? So connect your prayer, your, your, your prayer as you're coming out of your, your time in God's word, connect it in your prayer time. And, and then, again, you could just naturally transition once you pray about whatever it is that God was convicting you about or encouraging you about or giving you hope or comfort about, then, then pray for yourself. I used to always save myself for last and pray for everybody else first, but then I realized, you know, I'm the worst sinner I know, so I need to pray for me. I need more prayer than anybody <laughs> So I'm going to start praying for me. And I learned that from John Piper, who, who said he, he prays in concentric circles. In other words, he starts uh, with himself, and then he prays for his spouse and his kids and his, uh, the rest of his extended family and then his, his, his neighbors and friends and coworkers and church members. And just you kind of, kind of pray like that. Um, again, if, it, if that works for you, if you've got another way, you want to be humble and say, I'm going to pray for myself last, you be like Jesus, all right? And uh, think of yourself last. But pray for yourself. Pray for the needs of others. Um, again, missionaries, government officials, it seems to work well, kind of the, 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 the uh, ripple effect, if you will, going out. Um, again, this is when it's helpful to use some kind of prayer list so you can remember who and what you're praying for. You can keep track of, of answers to prayer. Um, Again, it keeps your mind from wandering. If you're, instead of just kind of doing this thing and trying to remember all the things and next thing you're, not, you're, you're working on your golf swing, right? And, and you're, oh, okay, I got, I'm praying here, right? Or for me, I'm like already preaching the message for Sunday and I'm like, I gotta get back to my prayer time here. But our mind wanders, so it's helpful if you have something that you're looking at and you're following uh, to kind of keep your mind uh, on track. So pray. Same we have read. I, I came up with another um, acrostic for pray, P stands for praise. Um, that's, that's how we should start when we pray. We should start by praising God and thanking God. Uh, this is the acts, adoration, right? Um, R stands for repent, confess, right? You confess your sin, you repent of your sin. So you praise the Lord, thank him, worship him. Then you confess your sin, you repent of your sin. Um, and then A stands for ask, then, then start asking for stuff. Once you've worshiped the Lord, uh, once you've confessed your sin, then start asking. And then the why stands for yield. And I always love to end my prayer time with uh, just yielding my life to the Lord, saying, Lord, here I am. Um, use me today for your glory. Uh, and just, just yield your life. Give your life up. Surrender your life um, to the Lord for his service. And then maybe you want to, you know, end by singing a song or something. Um, you're like, yeah, right, I ain't, that ain't happening. Uh, I have a terrible voice, right? Or, so listen to a song. Listen to one of your favorite praise songs. I mean, we have a playlist. I don't even know how to use it. Spotify or who knows all these fancy things that Junior sets up for us here. But we have all the songs that we sing here on Sunday mornings. They're, you can find them on the internet. You can find them on these little playlists and download them on your phone or whatever you use to listen to music and you could listen to some of these songs. Um, and then I would say this, make sure you take away at least one verse or one thought or one principle that you want to meditate on the rest of the day. And it may be even a little phrase or a verse, you want to memorize it, but something that you want to, maybe even write down on a, on a little index card. Do you even use index cards anymore? <laughs> you pull your phone out, put it in your note section or whatever, but just something, put it on your screen, you know, uh, something that you just want to meditate on for the, the rest of the day. Don't just shut your Bible and go, okay, that was good, I did my quiet time, and then you never think about it. No, God wants us to meditate, to chew, to marinate, right, on, on, uh, on God's word, all, on his word all day. And I would say this, as you have opportunities throughout the day, 
share what you learn with others to solidify that truth in your mind and your life. I mean, try to weave it into conversations because you're thinking, hopefully if you're thinking about it, you're meditating on it and somebody says something, you're like, hey, that's just kind of what I was, I learned this morning, reading God's word, especially if it's an unbeliever, man, that'll freak them out. Start talking about you were reading the Bible this morning and you were praying and this is what God said to you and, you know, he spoke to you in his word and, and um, what, a, what a great potential gospel opportunity. Some important things to remember, okay, just as we wrap up here, some important th- things to remember. Uh, Number one, set realistic goals. It's better to spend 10 minutes a day with the Lord than an hour or two every couple of weeks or every once a month, okay? So be careful. I appreciate those of you that are tend to be like me, you, you, you hear a message, you're like, okay, I'm going for it, and you're ambitious, I'm gonna go, uh, tomorrow, I'm waking up tomorrow morning, Labor Day, it's my day, I'm gonna spend an hour with the Lord. And you hit snooze, right? The point is, don't, don't, don't outpunch your coverage here, okay? <laughs> just, just say, hey, I'm gonna try 10 minutes, you know, five minutes of, of time in God's word and five minutes of prayer, especially if you're starting off. 10 minutes is better than nothing. And I promise you, if you get in the habit of 10 minutes, it ain't going to be long enough. You're like, oh, 10 minutes. Next thing you know, you look up, it's been 20 minutes. Next thing you know, it's been a half hour. Next thing you know, you're going, you're late for work, right? Because you're like so into it. And so start small. Um, Number two, get someone to hold you accountable to have your quiet time. Um, It's just always helpful, right? Just have somebody ask you, hey, how's your quiet time going? Were you able to spend time with God today? And just get into a, a discipleship relationship with someone who will ask that question and you can hold one another accountable. Thirdly, thirdly, it's guard against the temptation to measure your spiritual life by the number of quiet times you have during the week. I need to say that again, okay? Be careful. Guard against the temptation to measure your spiritual life by the number of quiet times you have during the week. I know the tendency, because I struggle with this, that if you, you know, do your quiet time faithfully, right? Sometimes you get prideful, you get puffed up. Um, if you miss one or two, you're like, hey, don't get frustrated. Don't, don't be discouraged. Just make sure you do it the next day, right? And this is the point. Remember that God loves you whether you had your quiet time or not, okay? Jesus loves you just as much on the days that you skipped, skipped your quiet time. Amen? So we've got to be careful. We don't fall into legalism here. Um, another thing here is, listen, you just need to understand, Satan will do everything in his power to keep you away from God, to keep you out of his word, to keep you from spending time with him. Why? Because if he can get you to miss your quiet time, man, he knows it's way easier for him to get you to fall, to defeat you. So there's a spiritual battle going on. Satan doesn't want you to read your Bible. He doesn't want you to pray. Another thing is, remember that developing the daily habit of Bible reading and prayer requires a combination of discipline and dependence. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So, yes, Having a quiet time requires discipline, but it ultimately requires dependence on the Lord. And then lastly, remember, it's not a ritual. It's a relationship. 
It's not a duty, it's devotion. Do it because you love Jesus. You want to get to know him better. You want to become more like him. You know, during the, these summer months, I've been sitting home in my kitchen, you know, quarantined, got nowhere else to go. No, just kidding. But I'm in my kitchen, I'm looking out in my backyard, and man, this summer, we've had a beautiful backyard. Sprinklers have been coming on, we've had some rain, right? Man, it's really green, it looks really good. And just outside the fence is an easement, nicely cleared, Right, it actually looks like a lawn. Nobody's can ever build on it. It's kind of provides some nice space between our house and the house next door. Um, but there is a clear difference between our backyard and the easement, the way it looks. Our backyard is green. The easement is brown. What's the difference? I mean, we're talking like a line. You could draw a line between green and brown. What's the difference? Water. And as long as we water our yard, right? Man, it's lush and green, it flourishes. But man, that grass just on the other side of the fence that's not getting any water is essentially dead. It's dry, it's nasty, it's all prickly on your feet when you walk on it, right? Man, that's a, I just, I can't help but think what a picture of our souls, right? That's the difference. You can be the lush green backyard or you can be the brown dried up easement. And it all depends on whether or not you're watering your heart and your soul, right, with God's word and prayer on a daily basis. Let me pray. Father, thank you for giving us your word so that we can spend time with you. Thank you for uh, creating prayer as a way that we can talk with you. And Lord, forgive us for not taking better advantage of these resources that you've given us to draw into an intimate relationship with you. Thank you that you want to meet with us every day, all day, if you could. I pray you'd give us that heart as well, that that desire to meet with us would be reciprocated by a desire to meet for us to meet with you. And so Lord, help us to encourage one another, stimulate one another, hold one another accountable, and uh, not become legalists who go around to ask each other, do you have a quiet time today? Do you have a quiet time today? And help us never to fall into that trap to think that you love us more on the days we had our quiet time and love us less on the days we maybe skipped or missed our quiet time. That uh, we would be truly motivated out of love, not legalism, um, to do the things you've called us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.